This week, we have brought in an expert on the church. Not just this church, but an expert on the church. His name's Kevin Ingram. He's the president of Manhattan Christian College. You are going to be blessed this morning beyond all imagination. I heard Kevin preach the first time, my first time to hear him preach, when he was still in Bible college. He became one of my favorite preachers then, and he is like a block of cheese. He just gets better with age. He just gets better with age. So I am glad that Kevin is here with us this morning. Would you welcome my friend to the stage? Thank you, buddy. Wow, I, uh, I don't know how I'm going to live up to that. I was going to say the expert had flight troubles and didn't make it, and I get the other one to be that. So it is great to be here with you as always. I've been here several times throughout the years. I can remember my first time was in the old building uh, near downtown and had a privilege to come back here. And I hate to say it, last time I was here was three years ago, and about three weeks later, COVID broke out. So if it breaks out again, it's not my fault. I just want you all to be clear about that. And um, but was so great to come then and uh, great to be back. I love seeing you, but I got to be honest, one of the main reasons I love coming is Phil and Tina Ospaugh are a couple who pour into my heart and fill my tank, and I love spending time with them. And you guys are blessed to have them as your pastor and his wife. Very blessed. So blessed. And when I look at trends in the church and how often pastors transition and the fact that they've been here 20 years is just incredible. What a blessing and a rare blessing in the church today. And, and I am thrilled to be able to spend time with them. And I'm hoarse this morning because we've been talking ever since I hit the car yesterday afternoon, and that's what we do all the time. It is great to be with you, uh, but a unique challenge this weekend to talk about the trends. And I'm going to be honest, I've got to tell you, he says I'm an expert. I don't know if I'm an expert. I'm an exposed person to what's going on in the church, but I don't know if I'm an expert. But I'll be sharing several times, and so this morning I've been asked to preach, so let's get to that. And I want to lay some groundwork for this this morning and to understand the power of trends that we have to understand. In 2007, a book came out entitled Microtrends. And in that book they say this, a microtrend is a small focus that can powerfully shape society. And when you look at the forces and tools that are largely connected to the internet, and let's look at what's gone on the last few years, I believe a small focus can powerfully shape society is because of the internet, social media, and the shaping of social media that is going on in our world. And due to that, it says this more specifically, in today's mass societies, it only takes 1% of the people making a dedicated choice contrary to the mainstream's choice to create a movement that can change the world. Now, some of the interesting trends that they pointed out in 2007, and it's interesting to me, one of them was personal choice. And they said that there was a drive toward individuality and ads drive at home. And I, I've been paying attention to that over the last few months, and here's one of the ones that have hit me. Burger King, I don't think you'll have a Burger King here. Do you have one within 100 miles? Maybe over in Kalispell. Burger King, you know, their motto for years, their slogan for years has been, have it your way. Did you know they've changed it? And it's, you rule. You rule. Personal choice. Another one is extreme commuters in the medical world. I don't know if it happens in Kalispell, but I'm on the hospice board of Good Shepherd Home Care and Hospice in Manhattan, and we can't find nurses to work in this home care and hospice. You know the reason why? There are so many nurses that are now traveling nurses. 
and most every trip I am on in at least one of the flights or at least somewhere along my journey through an airport, yesterday I had to run too fast to see anybody, I see medical professionals with backpacks on their back going to hospitals around America and clinics around America to serve for the weekend and then fly home. Extreme commuters in the medical world. Another one is stay-at-home workers. People who are working more from home and COVID has moved many more that way. And now we see a younger generation and we begin to see it at the college that they would prefer to work at home. And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. You know, if you want to recruit students, you got to be here to recruit them. You can't do that remotely. DIY doctors. In the Advent, it says, due to the internet, doctors who never leave home, and we don't ever have to leave home to see a doctor. And COVID has amplified that, but it was going on before. And then here's another one, pet parents. Said that the, and it's interesting when you look since 2007 how much more prevalent pets are in our society. I can remember years ago you would never see a dog in a grocery store or anywhere else and now you see pets everywhere. I saw them yesterday going through the airport in Denver, people with their pet taking with them. And I, personal opinion, you take a dog hunting but you don't take them shopping. That would just be my personal opinion. But here's what's interesting. There are more people living alone in our world, and who is the person that keeps them company? Our pets. I see it in the college. How many college kids have pets? And it's interesting. The top 1% in this book said of our pets in our world live better than 99% of the world because that's a focus. It's a trend. Trends, even small portions of our world, can have massive impacts, and the trends from 2007 are continuing to move forward. And if I were going to communicate as succinctly as possible in the short time that I have this morning an explanation of what's going on in our world that is affecting our world spiritually from a trend perspective, I would use two words, connections and disconnections. You simply need to know those two words, connections and disconnected. Now, let me make a few statements. We're the most connected generation that has ever lived. We're connected with the world, yet that often disconnects us. Here's what's interesting. We're connected with the world, but that disconnects us from the people in our towns, people we work with, and let's be honest, the people in our own homes. Because we're so connected, we are disconnected. How many times do I see on the way to work in a town that's not that big, a city that's not that big with 55,000 people, and it's like a 10-minute drive to work, people are driving their children to the daycare so they can go to work, and they have a video on in the car. I'm like, if you can't make it eight minutes, we are screen babysitting. But you have to understand what that trend has done. It keeps us maybe connected and, not, and, and keeps us from maybe having a child go haywire, but screen babysitting has led to screen discipleship. Because what is teaching our children more than we are is the screens that they're looking at, the phones that they're staring at, and you wonder, where are the parents? Uh, they're having a screen get away as well. And it's worrisome to me because the majority of a person's worldview, the foundation of how they view life is now formed by the age of 12 to 13 years old. Chew on that for a minute. Before they ever hit junior high and high school, it's formed and a foundation is formed and that's the lens that they look through the rest of life with. And the church ought to be afraid of that, but the church ought to be aware of that and the church ought to be countering that. Trends, we live in a one-dimensional world and, and when we look at our phones, but we try to have three-dimensional conversations. And that disconnects us further because of the lack of being able to see body language and tone and it can be misunderstood. 
We were connected together in our battle against COVID, yet disconnected by quarantining, staying at home, masking, and opinions on all those issues. Pandemics have hit us physically in the medical world, but let's be honest, and I'm sure Rick covered it, the pandemic of social media use and mental health issues that are connected is also extremely prevalent. We've always had connected to God available to us, but because of the greatness of our God, we've always had it, yet due to the busyness and connectedness to the world, it keeps us from having our connectedness with God, which I think is one of the most powerful influencers of where our world is from a trend perspective. And let's be honest, the real truth is we have blamed COVID on a lot of the ills in our world, but let's be honest, I, read, I saw an article that said COVID was the low tide that hit the ocean that showed how many businesses were swimming naked. You didn't know it because the water was high enough, the economy was good, and when COVID hit and the economy faltered, it showed us how many businesses weren't on a good foundation. And let's be honest, I believe it's also shown us how many of us individually and churches corporately were vulnerable spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. COVID hit us and it rocked us and disconnected us and it showed us how many of us how many churches and how many people in those churches didn't have a solid foundation to be able to handle what was going on in the world? And we didn't have what we needed. It's shown us that the church was already in decline. But let's understand this. The, some of the more specific trends affecting the church, we'll talk about all day long, but I want to summarize it with this thought and the forces at work within us. There is a fierce competition for our souls. A fierce competition for the souls of our children, for the souls of our teenagers, for the soul of our marriage, for the soul of us individually. This is nothing new. Satan has always been out to kill and steal and destroy. But the issue is we're now connected to more of the evils in our world and we're connected to them 24-7. And the internet has connected us to the world and we're making the world our playground. But the truth of the matter is, let's understand this, it is not our playground. The world is a battleground. And a battleground for our souls. And it's playing out in our world. Here's some of the evidence that really hit me the most. In the book Faith for Exiles, they studied 18 to 30-year-olds that were raised in the church. 18 to 30-year-olds raised in the church. And of those they studied, several million of them, here is what broke down. It's interesting, the one number that hits me, of those surveyed in 2019 who were raised in the church, only 10% of those are considered actively involved in their church. What's going on? That's a trend that disturbs me. Only 10% of them are actively involved in their church. In fact, of those kids raised in the church, 18 to 30-year-olds, 22% of them consider themselves now non-Christians. We're not talking about the young people who were raised outside of the church. These are young people raised in the church. Only 10% of them are actively involved, and 22% of them are on the other opposite extreme. They are not even Christians and believe in God anymore. What's going on? That's something that ought to scare us. And as I was considering this, as a passage came to mind that I really want us to sit in for just a few moments this morning, and it's Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 21. Listen to these verses. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity. Paul says, why? Because the days are evil. 
Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. A few words came to mind, and really a lot more, but I've tried to narrow it down so we don't have a two-hour sermon that stood out to me in the world that we're living in, and one of those words is obviously right in the passage, be very careful. We have to approach this world with carefulness. One of the greatest exposures we have is the fact that since we are always on 24-7, always connected 24-7, we rarely take time to think. We rarely take time down. And we have to be extra careful since we're only one click away from evil on the internet. I think about it often. I can remember back when I was a pastor in Great Bend, Kansas, and we had an IBM rep in the church, and he assembled a, a computer for my wife and I of broken pieces and parts, and we had DSL, so we weren't on the internet long because the phone line was busy. You remember those days when it connected to the phone and nobody could call you? And I got on, and I was trying to look for Larry Burkett's ministry. It's the first time I ever did a search on the internet, and I searched for the words Christian financial. Larry Burkett was the, the guru of Christian finances, and I looked for that, and immediately it popped up, and the first link I clicked on on the internet was a wife-finding service. And the reason it led me to that was it connected me with a Russian woman whose business was finance and whose religion was Christian. And I knew the first time I ever got on the internet and the first search I ever did, we got to be careful. Because it's one click away. And that was back then when I was the only one who got on and my wife got on every now and then and she was afraid of it and my kids never got on it. And now we're not only on it, we're on it all the time and it's in our phone all the time and it's connected to us all the time. we got to be very careful to understand, and we must be careful. Why? Paul's saying this in Ephesians 5, be very careful because the days are evil. And in verse 8, he says this, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. Verse 10, verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Don't even toy with them. Be very careful. It's close by. In Ephesians 4.1, he said, we should walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called. We've been called out of darkness. We've been called out of sin. We've been called out of all of that, and we've got to be very, very careful because the world's at our fingertips, and it's one click away from being involved in it head on. Be very careful. Carefully navigate these evil times. The second word is this, conversion. Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. When you look at that word in the Greek, it says, make the most, redeem those, buy back the evil tools that the world is using, and use them to work for good. Yes, the, the internet, yes, all that is available to us is there is much evil in our world, but the truth of the matter is, look at the power that's in our fingertips, and look how we could use it. I loved it on the plane yesterday. I wanted to look up a scripture. My, bat, my briefcase was under the seat. I didn't want to dig down and dig it out. All I had to do was pull up my phone and pull up the YouVersion Bible app and click, and the YouVersion Bible app was right there. And I wanted to see what it said in the New American Standard, in the Contemporary English Version, in the English Standard Version. And all I did was have to touch the screen, and it was all right there. It's wonderful. 
a prayer list that I keep and pray for people is always with me and I can update it on my phone and it's updated on my iPad and it's updated on my computer in my office. It's always there. I can redeem it and use it for good. And so now when I tell people I pray for them, I just don't see them three months later and they go, oh, thank you for your prayers. My prayers were answered and inside I go, oh, I never prayed for you because I forgot. I immediately pull out my phone when somebody says that and put it on my prayer list right then. Use it for good. Redeem it. Those are a few illustrations. Think about it. Prayer text. Now when I'm praying for somebody, I'll often text them that prayer so that they know I'm praying for them and how I prayed for them. Listening to Scripture. You don't even have to read it. You can read it and listen to it at the same time. Text connecting us with family recent illustration of how it even just helps us physically and it helps us emotionally and mentally. We have a granddaughter with type 1 diabetes. And it's incredible. We were, they were having to stick her like 12 times a day to do her blood sugar. She's two and a half years old and has no clue why mom and dad were sticking her. She now has a sensor that's on the back of her arm and a phone that's always with her. And mom and dad can be away from home and be at work and they can know if her blood sugars are dropping and call the, the, the daycare provider and say, you know what, we need to check this and work with our daughter. Let's redeem it and use it for good. Not only can it help us physically, it especially can help us. And if you want an illustration of how it works, you gotta remember the truth that we, in fact, we've been bought back. We've been bought with a price. We've been redeemed. And God's redeemed people need to know that Jesus is making the most of us and making the most through us to redeem the things of this world and lead people to Christ. And because we're redeemed, we need to look at every tool in our world and redeem it for Christ. We need to redeem our calendars for Christ, our phones for Christ, the internet for Christ, every tool that's out there, let's redeem it and use it for Christ. And that's especially important. I don't like technology, but I love technology. If we're going to reach our younger generations, we've got to redeem it and use it for good because that's the way to connect. But it's a precipice that we stand on the edge of evil that can be used for good and being, let's go back to the first word, be very careful because the days will evil and buy back and convert those things to be used for good. Another thing that we have to understand in our modern day world, although people are walking away from God, people are saying less and less that they are believers. The truth of the matter is studies show that 77% of the people in America still believe in a higher power and 74 to 75% of them want to know and be more spiritual in their life. And just like Paul was, he was in Athens in Acts 17. He went to the idol that they said, and it was a tomb to a known no God, and he used it. He redeemed it and said, you know what? Let me tell you about this God that you've been worshiping. And we have the opportunity to say to a world that's still searching spiritually, let me tell you about the God. Let me tell you about spirituality. Let me tell you about that higher power. And in Libby, Montana, you've got some of the greatest illustrations around you to say the creation shows the magnitude and magnificence, the handiwork of God. Flying into Kalispell yesterday in the Glacier National Park, mountains were sticking above the clouds. It was breathtaking. It shows us the handiwork of God. Let's redeem it all and share with them. Here is who you need and who you need to meet. I got to keep moving time-wise, don't I, Phil? Do I have till 2.30? Is that what it is? Okay, I just want to make sure. I got to keep moving. A couple of more words. Another word would be comprehension. The passage says, do not be foolish, but understand what the wills, the Lord's will is. Understand, give your mind to grasp something. 
When we found out our granddaughter had type 1 diabetes, I dove in. My daughter dove in. My son-in-law dove in. My wife dove in. I didn't know anything about type 1. My dad had type 2, and I understood that, and it was more diet-related. Type 1 is more autoimmune, and there's nothing that we can do other than treat it medically and watch her food intake, and it's something she will live with. You understand what it takes, I believe, to give your mind to grasp something. How many of you, when you're hunters, plan your path and plan where you're going and maybe watch animals beforehand to make sure that you find the right animal at the right time that you've been hunting for? Am I right? You know and understand what it means to dig in, to set your mind to understand something and something the church needs to do today to overcome the trends that are in it. We must give our minds to understand, to know God's will. But the problem is we live life and consider life horizontally and we leave out the vertical. I heard this last week, a couple of weeks ago at a workshop we had on the campus. Look at the cross and it's a great reminder of the method and the percentages of what we need to be focusing on in life. Yes, we need to look at the culture, the horizontal and what's going on in our world. But the most important thing we need to do is consider the vertical and the lines on the cross vertical are much longer, two to three times longer. And if we spend as much time determining God's will and what it would be in this world and less time trying to connect and understand what's going on in our world and in our culture, think of the impact we would have. Focus on it. Comprehend. Make sure that we know the will of God. We need to pray. We need to read scripture. We need to talk to trusted friends. We need to have patience and see what God has in mind. And what's interesting when Romans 8 reminds us how the Holy Spirit is praying for us and that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us when we don't know how to pray, what is the Holy Spirit praying according to? The will of God. Understand what God's will is. Set our mind to understand it. And I love this truth. Even Satan operates under the sovereign will of God. And one day we'll understand that fully. So make sure you seek his will. Another word that hits me like in this passage is the word commitment. It says, do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. This is true. The Lord cannot fill with his presence that which is full of something else. He cannot fill with his presence that which is full of something else. If we will be wise and we will redeem the time and we strive to know God's will, I believe it will draw us into commitment and we won't worry about wine. We won't worry about the internet. We won't worry about the world. We will be filled with the Spirit and our focus will be making sure that we make the most of the time that we're living in. And when he says, uh, be filled with the Spirit, it's a challenge, I believe, for us to walk by the Spirit, which is best done by walking in his word. Because Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, uh, he starts in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in, the mightiest, in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then he says this later on, listen to it. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. So many churches aren't preaching the Word of God. So many churches aren't declaring it. In fact, I heard there was a church in Manhattan a few months ago that the preacher got up and shared that uh, she believed that Joseph was gay because he wore a coat of many colors. I'm 
where did it say that? And the only reference in biblical history at that point for many colors would have been a reminder of the rainbow of many colors that God's promise was that he would not destroy the world again. So how can you extrapolate that? I don't think so. You see, we need to strive and be committed to make sure that we are filled with the Spirit, that we use the sword of the Spirit. And it's important because, remember, this world is not a playground, it's a battleground. So let me ask, what are you filling yourself with? Do you spend more time on your phone or more time in the Word? Do you spend more time on Facebook or more time in prayer? Do you spend more time on Amazon shopping or more time with your children. The book Culture, A.W. Tozer said this, one of the greatest hindrances to internal peace that the Christian encounters is the common habit of dividing our lives into two areas, the sacred and the secular. And that's a great trend going on in the church today. We need to commit to each other, to stand strong, to encourage, to lift each other up, to fight the good fight together. We need to commit to stand up and teach God's biblical truth clearly and correctly, and more importantly than that, we need to live it out in authenticity. We need to live it out and represent. We need to walk worthy of the calling with which we have been called that Paul would challenge us with. And I believe when we do so, we can have confidence. That regardless of what this world bees, when we handle all of this well, regardless of what this world lead, uh, leads us to, uh, he says at the end of this text, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't matter what the world throws at us, no matter what it throws at us, we can be confident that we can give thanks to God because he's at work. And when Paul writes that, you have to understand that he said in Philippians 4, I've learned to be content with whatever, whether I have a lot or whether I have a little, it doesn't matter where I am. He said from prison, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. It doesn't matter where he was. So when he says, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we have that, we can live in this evil world and we can be careful and we can be committed and we convert the times to good. And even though it doesn't matter what happens, we can always serve faithfully and be all in and confident because we would know the labor in the Lord is not in vain. Let me share a few things just to close up quickly. And there's so much more I could share. Chuck Colson's staff from Prison Fellowship, took all of his notes that he had used to do his daily radio show after he passed away, and they used them to write a book, and it's called My Final Word. And they dug into his journals and everything that he had written, and one of the thoughts that stood out to me when I read that book was this. He lived in Washington, D.C., was obviously a part of Nixon's cabinet, went to prison, and then was back with Prison Fellowship in D.C., and he said this, Prayers for change in our world have to start with prayers for the church. He said, I used to pray for the government, and I still do, but my prayers for change in the world doesn't mean I pray for political leaders. He said, I pray for the church. And then he added this, the nation cannot be saved unless the church is saved first. He's so true. So true. A politician is never going to save America. Jesus Christ is. And we have to understand that. Where do you start? 
You may say the task is too big, but remember what I started with. In today's mass societies, it only takes 1% of the people making a dedicated choice, contrary to the mainstream's choice, to create a movement that can change the world. Let me say that again. In today's mass societies, it only takes 1% of the people making a dedicated choice, contrary to what the world is doing, all of mainstream's choice, to create a movement that can change the world. And if you doubt that, let me read this verse. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. That was the early church. How many of them were there? Probably a little over a hundred. There were maybe only a few hundred. And everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What did it start with? A small group of dedicated, devoted believers who were living in a very difficult time in a very difficult city that had just killed their Savior and Lord. But they took advantage of all of that, stayed committed to Christ, considered the vertical more than they did the horizontal, and they were dedicated and devoted to the apostles' teaching, the Word of God, to fellowship to each other, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And God went to work. They did what they could do, and God did what he could do, and only he could do. And it started with a devoted small group of people who were careful, who made the most of every opportunity, who sought and prayed for God's will, who were committed to Christ and his church, and confident that God would walk with them even in the darkest of days, even when they were persecuted. They rejoiced for the fact that they were able to be persecuted. And we've got to start now, church. We can't wait. We've got to start now because the truth of the matter is the present is more than the present. It is the foundation of the future. The present is more than the present. It is the foundation of the future. Look at the children and teens in your church. They are more than just the teens and children of your church. They are foundation of the future of this church in Libby. Look at your families. It's more than just your present family. It is the foundation for the future of generations to come in your family. I could go on and on. Are you dedicated? Are you devoted? Are you committed? Are you willing to redeem the times? I could share with you a hundred more trends that could scare us but I don't want to do that. I want to motivate you to make the most of the days that we're living in, even though they are evil, because God is God and he is on the throne. Libby Christian Church, step up. Step up to the challenge, and it starts with a small group of people who are dedicated and devoted, and they can change the world for the gospel of Jesus Christ.